Lindsay was for 30 years one of the creative directors of uh, what is the world's biggest greeting card company. Just for a bit of reference, they've now got, they have 30, nearly 30,000 employees, a very big company. He was one of the directors of it. And at the same time, because he could, he used to conduct creative or creativity workshops in primary schools. He'd get with his primary school kids and teach them about creativity. There's a bit of an echo in that sound. Maybe if we can fix that. Maybe it's that. Um, and he would talk to primary school students and uh, about creativity. So when he would get with the grade ones, he'd always ask them this question. He'd say, how many artists do we have in the room? And in grade one, all the kids would put up their hand, yeah, yeah, that's me. You know what grade one kids are like. Is that right? And then grade two, you know, maybe about half the kids would put up their hand. Grade three, about a third would put up their hands. And by grade six, he'd ask them the same question. And only one or two kids would tentatively put up their hand. And Gordon McKenzie wrote in one of his many books, he talked about the suppression of creative genius that happens in childhood. And he said that instead of celebrating and validating their creative instincts, what happened is that um, becoming normal or like everyone else became more important and the voice, the phrase he used was, the voice of normalcy became the loudest voice in the room. In other words, don't be different, don't stand out, just be like everyone else. And that creative, uh, incredible genius was dampened and suppressed in their life. And I want to say this morning, friends, that you, every one of us in this room, especially our mothers and ladies in this room, but every one of us here have been created with a, uh, a creative genius to be, to be a unique and wonderful expression of God's infinite personhood. And how often does that uniqueness become suppressed and never reaches the full capacity that God intended for you? Think of yourself right now. I want to talk to you. How often does that never reach its full potential? And what I'd like us to do this morning, I want to take us back to a passage we looked at uh, last year sometime uh, to talk about a remarkable woman of God who broke out of the mold um, to become everything she was called to be. And she's one of the most outstanding women of the Bible. She became a general who led an amazing military victory and it was a crushing victory, actually. Um, she led the army, and yet she also possessed um, the character and the, the soft skills that is so needed today in, in leading other, other people. So we're talking about Deborah in the Bible. And if you want to, you can turn back there, but it'll be up on the screen. And I want to talk firstly about her day job, uh, the job that she had to do every day. And um, in Judges chapter 4, Verse 4 and 5. Deborah was a prophet, the wife of this guy, Lapidoth. She was a judge over Israel at that time. And she held court under Deborah's palm. I mean, this lady even had a tree named after her, so she must have been pretty good. Between those two places in the hills of Ephraim. And the people of Israel went to her in matters of justice. Now, this lady, Deborah, she was a mediator, a compassionate mediator, actually, we would think of her today as a bit like 
um, I guess a district court judge, someone like that. But it's important that we understand that at this time in the nation of Israel, when God raised her up, the nation was beaten down and been oppressed for about 20 years. Um, you know, think Ukraine, think what's happening in Ukraine at the moment, living under the oppression of a, of a foreign army. And we're going to read about it in Judges chapter 5. It says, In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, these were contemporaries of Deborah, um, people avoided the main roads and travellers stayed on winding pathways. There were few people left in the villages of Israel until Deborah arose as a mother for Israel. Now, we're talking about a country that was beaten down and more or less destroyed. Everyone went on the back roads. No one wanted to go on the highways. Everyone wanted to stay out of view because they, were, they didn't know what was happening and they just wanted to stay out of, out of trouble. And Deborah rose as a, arose as a mother for Israel. And God was doing something great in her heart. He was raising her up as a deliverer, but she still had to do a job. She still had a day job. Like she was, as, a, as it says, a judge. Um, you know, and like what happened is people would go to her for counsel and uh, to, to get their arguments and problems s- sorted out. And you know, her job was to ensure that people would keep God's commands. And I can imagine that Deborah would have been quite tough on occasions. She would have said, you know, well, you can't do that. You've got to do this because that was what God had said to the nation that they had to do. In fact, later on when she was recruiting and raising up this army, she rebuked the tribes that didn't come. She, she had, had it in her to be, to be pretty strong sometimes, pretty tough, you know. But there was also a compassionate side to her because also when she was recruiting the army, she said, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offer themselves willingly among the people. So she identified with people in their suffering. But she's also called a, a mother for Israel. And it's interesting, she's called a mother, but, but there's no mention of her actually having children. We don't know if, if she had children or how many. So what's, what's, what's the Bible getting at? What's it saying here? I think that it's saying that Deborah had qualities that every mother needs. You're like, you know, there's times when you have to be, and I, I know I'm, I'm presuming here to speak on behalf of the women here, but I'm, I'm pretty sure my wife is going to back me up on this, that you know, at times you've got to be hard-headed, but you still need to have a soft heart sometimes. You know, there's often times when you have to mediate in disputes and be the chief problem solver. And sometimes you've got to be the chief distractor when attention needs to be turned away from a problem. You need to be uh, the chief mobilizer of enthusiasm and the chief bro- mender of broken hearts and sometimes broken toys. You have to have eyes in the back of your head. You have to have x-ray vision to see the best in people and you've got to have your internal radar switched on to know what's going on is that right for mothers is that the way it works you've got to be you have these superhuman qualities or superwoman qualities and yet god says you know i'm going to be with you i'm going to help you in all of that so deborah had she was she was a mediator and a compassionate mediator but more than that she was also prophetic and she speaks God's future for the nation. So one day, Deborah gets a word from, from God about 
the nation coming to, to freedom and breaking, breaking out of the, the, the people that were oppressing them. And it just begins to burn in their heart. This spirit of a warrior begins to rise up on the inside. And she knows it's not what she's meant to be doing every day, but she's listening for what God is doing, what God is doing right now. And so she writes and she sings this amazing prophetic song. And it's, it's a song, it's a whole of Judges chapter 5. We're only going to read a couple little bits of it. But, but um, the song is, is calling a, a guy who could potentially be a commander of the army. And it's challenging him to rise up and start to call the people to come and come together as, a, as an army. And fight against the Canaanites who were their oppressors. And so um, now the, the context that we need to get here is that the Canaanite army, they had 900 iron chariots. Um, that, was, that was pretty pretty impressive, pretty big. A bit like, you can imagine them as like battle tanks in, in our day. They, they, they were pretty well-resourced kind of an army. And Israel, it says, were pretty much unarmed. If you read the whole story, it tells you that Israel was unarmed. I can imagine they might have had pitchforks and shovels or something, but nothing to compare with a chariot, an iron chariot. They were in a position where they just couldn't really do anything in their own strength. So I want to say here, friends, it's important we know that what happened to them in the natural is what happened to us, what happens to us in the spiritual. Our, our enemies, your enemies are not people. It's very important we get this. We're talking about a battle here. We're talking about a, a, a military conflict. But, but you know that your enemies are not people your enemies are fear discouragement depression you know shame sin all those things that the enemy wants to throw at you and we have to beat those things we've got to destroy them in the name of Jesus so some people um, call this type of thing like um, Deborah's prophetic song they call it idealism they call it dreaming, you know, but God calls it prophecy. And she is prophesying to herself. She's prophesying to this guy, Barak, to stand up and call the Israelite militia into battle to be ready to fight. And so that's what happened is the people started mobilizing for battle and then God gets involved. It reminded me a little bit of what I said before about um, the prophet Haggai when the people were meant to be rebuilding the house of God and they, they were sort of they'd gotten tired and they got distracted and they were doing their own thing and God raises up this prophet and, and he begins to speak to them and, and what happens is um, you know God said that through the through the words of Haggai it says so God sparked the enthusiasm of the leaders of Israel and all the people to come and do their work building the house of God. That's what happens. And so friends I want to encourage you today that I, I want us to be a prophetic church. I want us to be a church where we encourage the, the prophetic, where we encourage people to hear from God and to speak what God is saying to them. And I know there'll be some people that will be uh, more um, open to that and more, uh, maybe more courageous to step out and do that. But if you feel God is saying something to you sometime and you need to speak it out, then I encourage you to do that. There's got to be time for that. Because we, as we go forward, we will become more and more, I believe, prophetic in this, in this area. So um, as the people started mobilizing for battle, God gets involved. And I shared this last time when I preached on this, but Judges chapter 5, it says that the stars in the sky joined the fight. From their courses, they fought against their enemy. Cicero was his name. 
And so when the people started getting mobilized and they said, yeah, let's do it, let's, let's do it, we can, we can do this, it actually says that angels came and helped them or supernatural, the forces of heaven came down and joined in the fight. And that's why it says that even though they had no um, um, armor, armor, no weapons of their own, but they actually completely routed the enemy. They completely destroyed their enemy at that time. It was amazing. And friend, I want to say today that faith, when you put your trust in God, it releases the power of God. Don't we need that today? We do. Who thinks we need that today? We need the power of God at work in our midst. You know, we, we don't want to be a club. We don't want to be people that come together just because have a, have a nice time and have a coffee and a biscuit. We don't want to do that. We want to see the power of God at work, healing sick bodies, saving people who are lost, you know, setting people free that are bound. That's what we want to see. So I encourage you, friends, put your trust in God. When we walk in faith, when we exercise faith, God gets involved. People that are willing to step outside the constraints of what is expected of them, to go the second mile, you know, who believe that God can do the impossible, who believe that we can expect God to do something amazing. And people who are willing to speak, this is what happens if you're a prophetic person. You, you become uh, willing to speak over your problems, not just about the problems. And how often we do that. Oh, you know, I've got this problem and I've got that problem. And before long, the further we go, the problems get bigger and bigger. God is saying He wants us to speak to our problems and over them, not about them. Does that make sense? That's what we have to do. So the third thing about Deborah, she is not afraid to take leadership when it was necessary. Let's read Judges chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. So she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from these places and said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you go to Mount Tabor and prepare for battle now this is the word that Deborah the prophetic word that she brings God is telling you this is what you have to do prepare for battle and Barak said well uh, if you go with me I'll go but if you don't go with me I won't go <laughs> which is a great uh, plug for um, women in, in leadership now here's big strong Barak the tough guy and he wants someone to go with him. It's amazing when God puts something in your spirit, in your heart, and you have the confidence to follow through with it, and you're not afraid to do it. And that's what Deborah was at this time. So in a time when most leaders were men, God raises up a woman determined to be everything God had called her to be. And she was. And it was just incredible. I was reading this week a story about... Um, a dancer, uh, a woman by the name of Gillian Lynn, who became one of the world's most famous uh, ballet dancers of a previous generation. And um, she was a decorated lead dancer and choreographer the, for the choreographer for the Royal Ballet. That's kind of getting up there. That's pretty high up, you know. But when she was eight years old, her mother and her teachers thought there's something wrong with this girl. Um, they took her to a specialist and, um, because she couldn't sit still. You know, they thought there's something wrong. And today, she would probably be diagnosed as ADHD. They took her to the specialist. And after about 20 minutes in the conversation, the specialist said to 
Gillian's mother, can we just, can I have a private word with you? And just, they went to go out the door. As he went out, he turned the radio on and he said to Mrs. Lynn, just look at, and immediately, immediately, Gillian got up and began to move. I'm not going to try and do what they do, but you know, <laughs> she began to do the stuff, you know. And, and he, he said to, to this lady, he said, your daughter is not sick. She's a dancer. Take her to a dance school. So they did. And her life completely changed. It was incredible. And years later, Gillian said, I couldn't believe it. I can't tell you how wonderful it was. We walked into this room and it was full of people like me. <laughs> people who couldn't sit still. People who had to move to think. That's what happened to her. And she became one of the world's greatest ballet dancers. So I want to say, friends, to you this morning, being all you can be, it's not going to be easy. And often you've got to cut across accepted conventions to be what you have to be or to be what you can be. And in one sense, you know, Deborah becomes the commander of the army by default, actually. And sometimes people find themselves in, in leadership roles they don't necessarily even want, but because no one else will step up and take that role. Um, this morning, I'm not going to debate about glass ceilings here or, you know, or the competition between men and women for leadership roles. That's not my purpose in this, in this uh, meeting because I, I want to say, friends, as soon as we start comparing and competing, we are playing the devil's game. And his game is divide and conquer. That's not God's plan. That's not the way God... I think he wants us to actually recognize and celebrate differences, not that we're all the same. We have to be all the same. I think we should be celebrating every gift and the wonderful, unique contribution that women and men make to our world and releasing them to be everything they can be. That's what we should be doing as a church, and that's what I want us to do. So Deborah took the lead in this military operation, and she is all in. She is 100% committed to this battle. I'm nearly finished, by the way. And um, she's totally committed. And we're going to read from Judges chapter 5. This is, I love this verse. Um, Judges chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. This is the start of Deborah's prophetic song, After the Battle. And she begins, she's talking about what happened and what the spirit that God put within her. Let's read it. That day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. When they let down their hair in Israel, they let it blow wild in the wind. The people volunteered with abandon. Bless God. So what Deborah is saying is, if you read this in another translation, it says, oh, when leaders lead in Israel, that's when people volunteer. Okay, that's fine. That's, that's, that's one translation. This is another translation. And it just says, when they let down... Actually, if you study the original Hebrew, which I have, this is a more accurate um, organic translation. And it says, they let, it, they let their hair go, let their hair blow wild in the wind. I think what it's saying is they were just all in. They, they were all out. They were saying, oh, I'm full on. I'm totally committed. There was no time to get their hair, hair done up. You know, they said, it's just, it just reminds me of Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson in that great movie called Braveheart, you know, where he's, where he's just shaking his hair around and, you know, and he's, <laughs> he was just full on. That's what it reminds me of. And I think it's a symbol or it's symbolic for us of, 
just being totally committed. I don't care about anything else. I'm just committed to this right now. This is what I'm doing. And what happens is it inspires other people because they say, they're committed, I need to be committed too. That's what Deborah was doing and Barak was doing. When the leaders of Israel were all in, the people started to volunteer with abandonment. So I want to encourage you this morning about this because I believe that God is calling us to be committed to His purpose, committed to what He is doing. And I encourage you this morning to be all in for God, all in for what God is doing. And I'm just asking this morning, friend, what's, what's the role that God is calling you to, to do that will inspire others to rise up and fulfill their role? Because that's what happens. When we start to do what we're meant to do, others get inspired to do. Well, how much of your God-created uniqueness has been suppressed through life's, through the trials of life? Or, you know, I was just thinking of that song that we sang before, walking around these walls. I thought by now they'd fall. But God, you've never failed me yet. And sometimes we're facing challenges in our life and problems that we just can't seem to overcome. And yet we know that God is faithful. And sometimes you've got to tough it out. Sometimes you've got to stick with it and say, God, you are faithful. You've never failed me. And I know that one day I'm going to break through and I'm going to see, you know, the, the promises of God fulfilled. Can we have our creative team come back? You know, there was a time in, in my life when I was, um, uh, came under a, a, a lot of pressure and, and depression, actually. I was feeling depressed. And um, I was pastoring a church that we planted. And uh, everything seemed to be just crashing in. <laughs> Nothing was working and things were going wrong. And I was just, I was feeling under a lot of pressure. And that scripture from Psalm 27 um, just came into my heart and it was so powerful to keep me going in that time. And it said, I would have fainted unless I had believed. Psalm 27, it's verse 13, I think. And it says, I would have fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God while I'm alive. And I think that's a, that's a word for us today, friends. You know, no, no, no matter what you're going through right now, you know, you will see the goodness of God. You will see God's hand at work. You'll see the power of God. You'll see freedom come in your life. You'll see uh, success in what, in what God has called you to do if you stick with it. How much of your God-created uniqueness has been suppressed through life? And now God is saying it's time to shine again. It's time to shine. Or how much of the idealism that God has put within you has been swallowed up by reality? And we talk about it sometimes, don't we? We say, oh, you know, you, you can have all these dreams and ideas, but, but the reality is this, this, and this, and this. You know, you know what, friend? I, idealists are dreamers, and idealists make the world a better place. It's not because all of their dreams come true, but with every dream, we move forward towards, you know, giving someone hope, or we move forward towards progress in some way or other. And I believe that if God has put within you an ideal or, or a dream for something and you know it's a God thing, then you should hang on to that and let God just birth new life and new hope into that this morning. Why don't we pray as we come to a close this morning? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for each person here today that you have called as a unique expression of your character and of your creativity and of who you are. And I pray, Lord God, that 
today, each one of us here will know that you are causing us to rise up on the inside, that you want us to to be everything we can be and not be held back by expectations from the past or expectations that are not your plan for our life. Lord, I pray for freedom in hearts this morning. I pray for wholeness in hearts. I pray for life to spring up, maybe just a seed of life, but to spring up within someone's heart this morning to say, that's me. I want to know you, Lord God. I want to know your purposes. I want to know your power in my life. I want to be everything you've called me to be, Lord God. Hallelujah. I wonder, can we stand up this morning and perhaps begin to sing that song? They're playing this morning. Hallelujah. Let God speak into your heart today. Maybe there's a step that you need to take, just to step out in God, to take the first step towards something that you know He's calling you to. And today He's just saying, I'll go with you. I am with you. You can take that step in me. Hallelujah. Let's sing this, walking around these walls. you this morning friends God is doing something in your heart and you know you need to take a step towards the destiny that he's called you to the destiny that he's put within your spirit within your heart I just want to encourage you today to say yes to God say yes to him yes Jesus I'll do what you've called me to do no matter what that is I'll do what you what you are calling me to do and if you want someone to pray with you and encourage you today in that Uh, as we sing this song through, why don't you come and just stand at the front and someone's going to pray with you. Someone's going to encourage you in God today to be all that you can be for Him today. And maybe you're standing here today and you're not sure about your relationship with God. You don't know where you stand with Him. And He's just challenging you on the inside and He's saying, I want you to take that step towards a relationship with me. I want you to invite Jesus into your heart today. Holy Spirit is just like that little still small voice just saying, yes, that's for you. Invite Him in. Invite Him in today. Say, yes, I'm going to turn away from my old life. I'm going to turn my heart towards God. 
I'm going to invite you into my life. If that's you, and you want to come for prayer as well, why don't you come stand at the front as we sing this song through again. God bless you.